Welcome to Healthcare IT Today. I'm John Lin, together with my colleague and friend, Colin Hun. The world of technology and healthcare are ever-changing in new and novel ways, and that's why we love this stuff. So join us as we discuss the latest healthcare and health IT news, meshed together in new ways which help generate ideas and new perspectives. Plus, we'll have a little fun along the way. On today's episode, we'll be talking about generative AI and healthcare. And be sure to follow the show on social media at the hashtag HITSM and our personal accounts at TechGuy and at Colin underscore Hung. Plus, check out our 17 years of health IT blog content at healthcareittoday.com. This is a crazy uh, area, you know, rumors are Microsoft was going to buy them for a billion dollars, something, a few billion, you know, what's a few billion here there for Microsoft, but uh, <laughs> what is it, Chad RPT, is that, you know, I always mess up the letters there too, but it's, you know, taking the world by storm. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just because it's so easy to use, right? And it's so... Uh, it's so unique to punch in a couple of words and and have it generate some a, some content for you. It's 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 pretty fun. It's well, and the depth that it has, right? Yeah. Like you know, like I think before you could do that about a specific subject or or maybe a small thing the chatbot will reply to you, but the depth that it does, right? I, I think that's what's shocking for me across every topic imaginable is that's the astounding part. Yeah, and and today's topic, by the way, does come from to us from uh, our online friends because we we put it out to the world to say, hey, what's the what should we talk about on this episode of Healthcare IT today? And, and Corinne uh, Strom came back with this topic. Like she basically asked us, what do we think the impact of generative AI will be on healthcare, uh, given its popularity and given how much it's been in the news lately. Yeah, I mean, I think in the short term, the answer is zero <laughs> or, or, or approaches zero, right? I, I think, it, you know, I, I think this is the, uh, the core challenge of any AI solution for healthcare is that, you, you know, we have a really high expectation and bar because we're dealing with human lives. And so, you know, I think that's going to be the hard part with generative AI is like, oh, this may be really informative and may be helpful, but if it puts someone's life at risk, the community is going to kick against it. Yeah, I, I think so. I think we, we do have a very high bar when it comes to new tech in healthcare. And, and this is, it can be looked at as, oh, this is kind of a fad thing. It's a neat, it's a neat thing for, for maybe other industries, maybe not for healthcare just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree with you. So I think in the short term, clinically and operationally, it's probably not going to have a huge impact. But it does kind of spark the imagination of like, you know, in terms of, wow, this thing is actually pretty intelligent. Um, <laughs> you know, could it be pointed at different things inside healthcare and generate uh, even you know, trusted content or better content um, versus the stuff that it's doing right now? Yeah. And we've talked about this cycle before of, of technology adoption, I think, you know, is that, okay, let's imagine what is generative AI look like in healthcare? Let's just play out that scenario, right? Okay, it's really ambient clinical voice with AI on top of it, right? Like it's taking all of the AI, you know, clinic, ambient clinical voice data from a visit and generating a note based on the data that was said in the visit, right? Like, how is that any different than ambient clinical voice? It's not really, right? Other than right now, it's, you know, being supported by scribes and, and humans, right? That are ensuring that what was said is exactly right. But other than that, like generative AI is ambient clinical voice and vice versa. It's just taken to that next level. And so you look at that and you're like, 
okay, so really, if I just listen to the visit and then, you know, generative AI generates the clinical note for me, how is that bad? That's what every doctor wants, right? Like, is that it does it for them. I think the problem is that when we first adopt technology like this and when you apply a generative AI to a office visit or, you know, the exam room right now, it would produce this note that looks really close to a note but isn't quite right. And every doctor would look at this and say, well, this generative AI is stupid, right? Like, how does it not know to do X, Y, Z? Or, you know, it would see something that's like, oh, that's laughable. And, and they're right. It is laughable because it probably merged two things that it shouldn't have or something like that. And so at first they'll look at it and laugh at it and be like, no, nah, that will never replace me. But then it gets better and better and humans train it better and it understands better. And, and you know, AI has that same curve of all technology, right? <laughs> you know, the, the, the curve of, of, you know, speed, the amount of data it has, et cetera. But then you go and you're like, wait, actually, no, it's more precise than the doctor, right? So it goes through this initial thing where you're like, that's embarrassing. And then you're like, wait. It's actually pretty good. And then you say, oh, no, it's actually better than the human. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's the potential. I mean, if anything, I think that is, to me, the impact that um, generative AI tools that are available right now will have on healthcare is that it's showing us what's possible. Right. I don't know if it's ever, I don't think it's going to be adopted anytime really soon, but I think it's showing what's possible. Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's looking like, you know, if you look at the interactivity, you look at the, the answers that this, um, that, um, it's giving us now. And yeah, I mean, for, for medical stuff, it's probably not great. Right. It's probably so generic and it's like, it's not really saying anything, not enough for a doctor's note for sure. But the possibility now is like, wow, like this thing, I mean, all I have to do is type in a bunch of symptoms and it's going to write an article. It's going to come back with a piece for me, right? Like with, with some content for me, that's not bad. Uh, no specifics and and no, obviously no, diag- no, uh, no recommendations, but it's, it's, it's telling me some good information. And as you say, over time, it'll just get better. But I think just the fact that it exists is showing, wow, like this is how far AI has come. Yeah, for sure. And I think you and I have kind of played with this uh, when we were working on a branding uh, exercise that we were doing. And I think, you know, what I realized from that was it's not very creative, right? Like there's some creativity elements if you ask the right questions to get the creativity to pull out of it, maybe, right? But when you think about it from a healthcare perspective, we don't want our AI to be creative, right? Like we, we want the AI to just do what's clinically relevant and proper and, and proven, et cetera, right? Like I don't know anyone that wants a creative doctor unless you have like some, you know, really rare disease or something like that, then maybe you do, right? Like, but for most of us, we want the, the proven, reliable, trusted, and, and, and interestingly enough, that's what generative AI is good at. Like, oh, okay, you know, we know this process. We've been here before. We've seen this data. Let's repeat it 6,000 times, right? So I think that's what's really interesting about it is that it's not creative and that's good for healthcare. So, so actually on that note, John, what do you foresee as some of the early use cases or the, eventually the use cases for generative AI in healthcare from a clinical 
or an operational standpoint. Yeah. So, I mean, we already talked about the clinical note. Who wouldn't want to do that? You could apply it to the radiology as well. In fact, that may actually happen before the clinical note because the AI on top of the imaging has gotten so good. Like, why do we want a radiologist typing out the clinical findings when the AI found it even better, right? Now, maybe the the, the radiologist verifies the findings and we've seen that a lot you know, in radiology, even pathology, et cetera, right? But like generative AI could generate those notes just as quickly and, and more quickly and more accurately than a, a human. So that might be really interesting. The other one to think about is kind of bridging the gap of health literacy for patients. So, you know, we just got the lab results for my son from some, you know, labs that he did with some allergies and some other things that he they were evaluating to make sure everything was good. And we get the results, right? But we get, you know, a certain LDL number or something. And we're like, what does that even mean? Right. And and so we've seen lots of companies trying to address this and trying to say, okay, let me put some context on the data that's there. Well, could generative AI do that? Right. And provide you the context. I think it's really interesting to see. I, I, you know, as I say that, I can just feel the fear of, well, what if it generates something that says you have cancer and you don't really, or, or you have a cancer that's benign, and so they're actually giving you the impression that you, you, you know, you have cancer that's going to be a problem, but actually, it's a pretty simple procedure to remove it and probably won't be a big issue. So, I, you know, there's a lot of uh, challenges there, but could generative AI? help the patient understand what's going on with all this data and with, you know, things like health literacy. I think that's interesting to look at. Uh, that, is, that is pretty interesting. Uh, for me, I, it's almost the reverse. Um, you know, I, was, I would see, I would love to see us being able to feed an entire, a single uh, medical record of somebody, of mm. a person's into the generate into the as the input into the generative AI and have it generate a summary and and the reason I, I I'm kind of interested in that is the summary I think would be interesting for you know people who are doing clinical trials uh, mm. people who maybe um, people who are um, you know looking for certain cohorts of patients obviously again clinical trials but other other reasons for that but also for for maybe um, certain docs. Uh, when you're doing a referral, just to quickly get a summary of the patient, I could see that saving a lot of time versus having to comb through the entire record and all the notes to figure out, oh, hey, in general, this is what's going on with the patient. Right? Yeah, um, that is interesting, right? I mean, when you think about some of these patients that have 700 pages of of record that the doctor's not going to look at, right? I mean, they right. just can't. <laughs> so could the AI look through it and create a, a generative report that summarizes a lot of the key findings you know, I think all the uh, lawyers in the room are rejoicing at the idea, but uh, <laughs> no, but yeah. exactly that. Like, and, and and unlike a human being having to do this, like as a new lab result comes in or as a new finding comes in, it would it would regenerate uh, the summary. So, I mean, that's kind of for me. That's an interesting take on it to say, listen, we're not going to use the summary for anything. Like, we're not going to make decisions based on the summary, but it might point us to, oh, hey, I should probably go look at this area of this mass massive record, right? Or to do a little bit more digging here or there. So it's a, it can be, I think, a nice time saver. And for certain industries like yeah, legal <laughs> and for clinical trials, it could be a game changer in terms of finding uh, the right the right cohorts. And 
Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, I actually almost worked for an expert witness testimony uh, one time in my career, uh, and they were expert witnesses for the, the rollovers for cars that rolled over, and they were looking at the computers within the car. And, you know, obviously cars have become much smarter and even more so. I mean, this was pre-Tesla and everything, right? But now they're even smarter. And their theory was that the, for the most part, the computers are going to solve, you know, 99% of the problems, 99.9% of the problems. And it's going to be great. It's going to break early for you. It's going to warn you, et cetera, et cetera. But they said there's going to be 0.1% where the computer's actually going to do bad. And so they were building an entire expert witness business around this. And they had the engineers to analyze it and understand it, you know, that, hey, you know, this computer could actually kill someone because it, it maybe it accelerates and it should have braked, right? And so you look at that and you're like, okay, well, isn't that kind of what we're talking about here, right? Like that, you know, like this generative AI could take the record, like you said, and create a summary and 99.9% of the time, it's going to help a doctor be more successful because they're not going to read the 700 pages, but they will read the summary of report. And so you look at that and you're like, that's amazing. We should definitely implement this. Like, I don't think anyone's arguing that computers shouldn't be in cars to help us do things better, right? Uh, but in healthcare, we kind of do. We're like, no, but the, you know, that one patient might get hurt, right? Like, it's the same scenario, which is fascinating, you know, applied two different ways. That's true. But, you know, I would, I would, I would argue that, you know, is that better or worse than what we have today? Like 99.9%, I would argue, is probably way better than the our error rate today where we're relying on people to interpret. You know, yeah. Uh, you well, know, and we have nice. legal cases where they didn't read the record and then the patient dies and the, they're right. held accountable. Exactly right. So, so yes, we should be concerned with that 0.1% and we should find ways to, to address that. But, you know, we have to look at, I think we have to look at the big picture and go, hey, is 99.9% like, is that already 10% better than what we're doing today? Because if that's the case, let's do it, right? Yeah, it probably but is. Lots of interesting <laughs> questions. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Healthcare IT Today with John Lin and Colin Hung. Today, we are talking about generative AI in healthcare, suggested by Corinne Strum as the topic today. Let's, let's, I want to go and talk about something you just mentioned there, John. What's the impact of generative AI going to be on trust in healthcare? Yeah. So I, you know, I think it's going to be slow to hit healthcare slower than maybe some of the other industries, right? So in some of the other industries, I, I, I think we're going to see it first and we're going to be able to, to see this wave coming and then be able to deal with it. So I think actually the first place we're going to see this is actually going to be in politics <laughs> because the generative AI is going to go after politics in a big way and it's going to create this disinformation, which we know has become a problem with social media and other things, right? Where people are, we're going to have to figure out a new system of trust in the data that we read. But I actually think this is kind of an opportunity for healthcare organizations, because if anyone can generate any health information they want using generative AI, well, then who do we trust to curate that information and to ensure that it's accurate? And I think the answer to that might be our healthcare organizations that we look to and say, now there's some that I, I know are losing trust in them. So that, that's going to be interesting to see it evolve. But the question is going to be at, at its core, who do we trust to verify the generative AI? And I think the answer might be doctors. Interesting. 
Interesting. I, that is a actually a very fascinating thing to think about that, you know, if any, it's sort of like, I look at it as, you know, back in the old, in, in you know, decades ago, you know, it's very expensive to have a video camera, right? Mm-hmm. And now everybody's a videographer, right? <laughs> right? And because it's gotten so cheap, it's gotten affordable. Now, you know, everyone else has had to up their game. Cinematographers had to up their game and get better in order to differentiate themselves from just, you know, a person with a really, really good camera. Will the same thing happen with healthcare content that the way you're talking about? Like mm. can, now that I can, anybody can just type in a couple of keywords into the generative AI and have it generate good content. Now everyone can have good content. We no longer, will we no longer be able to tell, you know, badly written do- <laughs> content from good written content because these, everyone's using generative AI. But you're right. I think what can happen is now the Mayo's, the Cleveland Clinics, the the trusted sources of information will now have to up their game and go, okay, when we put out content, we're gonna we're gonna show all the work or here's what we based it on or all the studies. That is not necessarily what generative AI will do. It's not gonna generate a list of references for you, at least not today, right? Um it should. Explainable AI is an important part, but it's not there. You're right. It's not there. <laughs> not yet yeah. anyway. So but to your point, I think that it, it might actually be because we now know that everyone can generate good-looking content, we are we going to gravitate more towards those trusted sources where they have a vested interest to have nothing but the best content out there because they could be held liable. Right? Yeah. It's interesting your example too. I was thinking about my experience with sports and watching sports and sports news. You know, growing up, you'd pull out the newspaper, right? right. <laughs> and whatever was in the newspaper, you'd read it. And now, we, of course, we read it online. We, people are live tweeting. You know, you've got all these different things. Well, I was, you know, I've been through the experience where, you know, I'm a big BYU football fan, and they stream the press conferences with the coach, with the players. And I often watch the stream of the coach and the players. And then I'll run across an article from one of those press where they're quoting the thing that I already saw. And for me, it's been fascinating. Like, oh, what did they choose to pull out of that or not? And to be fair, I don't read them anymore, right? Because I'm like, I just went straight to the source. I don't need this press person to pull out the key insights. I'm just going to watch the press conference itself, right? So I'm going straight to the source. So it's interesting that change of mindset, right? And as far as, you know, where do we get our information and who do we trust? And I want to go to the source as much as possible. And, and, you know, how is that going to apply to healthcare? I think it's going to be really interesting to see play out. Um, But I I think there is going to be some interesting aspects of generative AI because as a patient, I may use generative AI, not necessarily as a final stopping place, right? And I I think the youth often get a bad rap by saying, oh, well, they just believe anything or, you know, oh, they don't care about privacy. And I'm like, no, I actually think they're very sophisticated in how they do it. And there's exceptions, of course, but like, and I think that's what we're going to do is we're going to be more sophisticated. We're going to use the generative AI, which is going to Educate us on the questions we should be asking our doctor, which creates a more collaborative relationship rather than just assuming that they know what they do or, you know, Googling something, right? Generative AI is just next level Google. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, I think in the short term, we're going to see a dip in trust uh, with healthcare yeah, that's content true. that's available on the, on the internet. Because there's going to be, it's we're not going to be used to telling the difference. I don't even know if we will be able to tell the difference between generative AI, 
AI generated content versus non AI generated content. In fact, that's interesting to think about is, you know, will there laws, will there be laws put in place where you have to declare whether it is or it isn't? Yeah, Um, that is interesting. Right. Much like how the FCC now has to make you declare whether or not this content was sponsored or not. Right. Like, is that, is that now something you'll have to declare? It's like, oh, this, this article was or wasn't generated by AI. Um, uh, anyway, I think until that happens, there's going to be uh, a reduction, uh, a decrease in trust in healthcare content, with the exception of the the groups that you're talking about. I think people will still go to their trusted healthcare provider um, to say, okay, I'm going to trust the content from there. And I don't really care if they're using generated AI or not, because I trust them, right? Mm-hmm. And however they're generating content, I'm still going to trust them. But I think there's going to be an increase in noise because uh, the quality of the written content from from some is just going to rise because these this AI tool is so good. But but that brings me to to the final question I want to ask you, John. Like, should we be using generative AI in in marketing for healthcare? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I I I understand the fear, <laughs> and we've already discussed kind of the creative aspect, right, or lack of creativity thereof, but. You know, as the efficiency expert on this on this uh, episode, <laughs> I love to optimize everything. I, I think that it's going to have to be used, right? I mean, it goes back to what you just said. If I'm a healthcare organization, do I want to spend three hours generating this article, or do I want to spend five minutes with generative AI, have it generate the article, and then spend forty five minutes, you know, cleaning it up? And I think the answer is we're doing the cleanup, right? <laughs> like, and so that's probably what I think is going to happen with marketing as well, where you're going to take generative AI to accelerate and improve the processes and if you know that you use, uh, you know, I think it will be interesting. Like, I'm waiting for the day that uh, Healthcare IT Today receives a generative AI article, and uh, you know, are we going to approve it or not, right? And I think the answer to that is if it provides value, I don't really care how you created it, right? You know, like if it was a 15-year-old or a 70-year-old, I don't care either, right? Like, you know, it's the quality of the content and does it provide value? Now, I wonder if the agency that submits it or the company that submits it will think, man, we got away with this one, right? But, you know, for us, I think at least from Healthcare IT Today perspective, the, the question has always been, does this provide value? Can generative AI provide value? I think the answer is yes. So, we're probably going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to take a slightly different angle on this on this question, but from a I'm going to take it from the perspective of a of a, a solutions provider. So somebody uh-huh. who's trying to sell something into the healthcare market, okay, um, can can and should they use generative AI? I think the question really more is. Will, will you be able to uh, not do it? Because <laughs> I think every, because I'm meaning, when I say that is, I think everybody is in the content game. Everyone's in the SEO game. And we all know that generating new content, fresh content for your website is one of the best ways to get your site to the top, right? Um, and so, you know, do, do a lot of companies don't have the resources to create content daily. Mm-hmm. But with these tools, you could. Right or or a biweekly basis or however frequency you want. Now you can just plug in some keywords and have it generate some content. The temptation will be just to take that and straight just publish it. Right, like maybe they might spend five minutes cleaning something up or adding something at the bottom. But I think a lot of people are probably just going to take that thing and just publish it. Now, for the purpose of SEO, is that wrong? 
Well, probably not, right? Because probably what they're posting on is not like clinical information. Like it's not like t- yeah. teaching you how to be a healthier individual. It's probably around, you know, interoperability and the challenges in healthcare. Like that's a pretty innocuous article, right? Yep. So I foresee people definitely using it to up their SEO game, to up their website content. But I think the danger is, and we've already seen one example where, you know, some university uh, student has already reversed, you know, created a tool to reverse engineer. So you can point an article at at his tool and it'll tell you whether a generative AI created it. (laughs) So the, 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 the the risk is, well, what happens when you get found out? What happens when someone finds out that 90% of the articles on your website were generated by AI and actually not you? Yeah, and how is Google and the other search engines going to react to it, right? Because they have those tools as well. And so they're going to look at it and say, you know, I, I don't know, will they do broad-based penalties because of that, right? So you're like, okay, I'm winning until you're not. It's yeah. kind of like paid link strategies, right? Like, uh, you know, they were great until Google said, never mind. And then they weren't, right? Then they were, uh, you know, a weight around your neck. Uh, so it is interesting. But your comparison reminds me, it's like, Imagine when email was introduced. I mean, maybe you remember it more than I do, but (laughs) that was an age joke. But um, like, you know, like imagine you're coming, you're like, nah, I'm not going to embrace email. I'll just stick to letters or faxes, right? Well, I guess healthcare kind of did, but that that aside, you know, like if you stuck your head in the mud and said, I'm not going to use email, you'd be behind, right? And you'd be at a disadvantage to your competitors. Well, the same is probably going to be true with generative AI. The real question, I guess, to your point is not, will you use it, but how should you use it? And how can you use it without, you know, while maintaining the trust and achieving the marketing goals that you have or whatever goals they are for using generative AI? Um, I think that's where it's probably going to get lost. So I guess, you know, in HitMic uh, 2024, we're going to have a generative AI session. Is that what that means? <laughs> I think that's what's probably going to happen, John. Either that or... Either that or what we're going to be laughing at amongst ourselves is, hey, when I go to like these five websites, these five different companies, their content looks exactly the same. (laughs) Like, It's interesting. Will generative AI do that, right? Like, will it be the same across all five? Or is generative AI good enough that it's going to be just slightly different and it won't matter? And that's, I think, the fear of search engines, right? Or, you you know, you're, you're the guy you mentioned that created the tool to see is it generative AI, like, and maybe I'm just a generative AI because I write in a similar matter and that tool may think I'm just, you know, <laughs> redundant when in fact I'm just a human that's very specific. I, I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> well, that actually, that'll be an interesting test. If you and I type the same keywords into these generative AI, well, we get the same piece back right now. Right. Uh, my answer, my guess is it is probably the same um, because between the time you and I run it, probably not much has changed in the data behind it, right? Maybe right. a few months from now, a year from now, when we type this keywords, it'll be different because new data has come out. But it'll be interesting to see it. It's definitely a new world. And you know, so and how quickly will it learn, right? Like, yeah. okay, it gets new data, but does it learn that quickly? Does it change that much? Or and is it generating unique every time or is it doing the same? You know, that's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating to think about. Hey, listen, thanks to all of you who tuned into this episode of Healthcare IT Today. Find out more details about our show by checking out the programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. And please share your voice and engage with the community at healthcareittoday.com and on social media using the hashtag HITSM. I'm Colin Hung, along with my friend and health IT collaborator, John Lin. Thanks for listening and have a great week.